The Bible says in Judges 3, verse 7, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of their Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam in the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Shushan Rishathayim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Shushan Rishathayim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Shushan Rishathathim, king of Mesopotamia, unto his hand, and his hand prevailed against Shushan Rishathathim. And the land had rest forty years. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us, and thank you for this time we can come together. Lord, all around this place, there's people being ministered to. We see a packed auditorium in here, but our nurseries are full and alive and well, our two- and three-year-olds, and people are ministering to them. Our junior hires upstairs as they're lovingly being taught. Lord, our children's ministry at Grandview Kids as they're being taught right now in three different junior churches. Lord, we have some that are tuning in online. Lord, others who came to the 830 service. Lord, we have many who came to this Sunday school time. And Lord, people have been ministered all over today. Lord, we don't take it lightly that they're here. Some have traveled great distances, Lord, have adjusted their schedule and made sure they were here because this was a special day. And I'm asking that they won't walk away without hearing from you today. Lord, I pray you'll help me to humble myself and to allow your Holy Spirit to flow through me. Lord, I don't have much to say, but you have many things to say through your word. And may that's what we hear. May you impact our lives Lord, maybe there's someone today watching online or someone who is here in person that does not know you as their personal Savior. May they come to the saving knowledge of you today. Maybe there's some that need to be challenged and that are overburdened or or, or need to hear from you. May they hear from you and may they be encouraged and strengthened. Be with those maybe who are, are mature Christians, but they need to be reminded of some things today. May you bring that to their remembrance. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's a story I read this week. It is not a true story, but it is a humorous one for that. And for that reason, I want to read it. And there's a reason why I'm prefacing this way. I believe it's a good launch pad into the sermon today. But a husband had fallen ill with some very serious symptoms. And his wife took him to the doctor who examined him and ran a complete list, a battery of lists of tests. He told the man to get dressed and step outside. And after his husband, her husband was gone, the wife said, Okay, doctor, shoot it straight. I want to know exactly what is going on. Her, husband, her, her doctor said, Well, your husband is going to die unless you take some special measures for him. Of course, doctor, she said. I, I will do anything to help my husband. Then this is what you must do, he replied. First of all, You must not allow him to have any stress whatsoever. You must make him three healthy meals a day. Do whatever he asks you to do. Smother him with kisses all the time. And tell him how much you love him. Give him whatever he wants or needs. Spoil him rotten. And wait on him hand and foot. And then your husband will live. On the way home, the husband said to his wife, Well, honey, 
What did the doctor say? And she looked at him and said, without missing a beat, it's terminal. (laughs) Now that is a silly story, but I think today, if we're not careful, we can go through life thinking that we serve a ball and chain God. And there's all these things we have to do to please him. There's all these things we have to do or else. If we're not good enough, we won't make it. We won't make the cut. We won't be able to go to heaven someday. If we don't do X, Y, and Z and dot every I and cross every T, we're not going to be there. And because of that, we can be tempted by the snares of Satan. We can be tempted by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it can cause us to get off track. And here's what happened to the children of Israel. They had the promise of God that it would not be easy. It would not be a cupcake walk. It wouldn't be a care bear in the clouds life. They would have to work hard. They would have to be diligent because God was proving them. They would have to put their axe to the grind, if you will. They would put their, their, their shoulder to the wheel and they would have to be willing to fight and, and have their face stretched. They would have to go through hurdles and hoops and they would have to do exactly what God said. But if they would, They would get victory and they would be able to inhabit and conquer their promised land, Canaan. But unfortunately, because of their half-heartedness, they got distracted by the things of the world, the flesh and the devil. They ended up going after idols because it promoted selfishness, self-centeredness. The Canaanites had created these idols, so the, the, the Israelites thought it would be great to create their own. And instead of focusing on the creator, Jesus Christ and God, they decided to focus on their own thing. And they got distracted and they got off. And because of that, they went through this cyclical uh, a pattern of serving God, following him, and then following after idols, and crying up to God for a judge, and, and so forth. And so we come today to a time where God has said, hey, you put me in a great tense, a, a great uh, a, uh, straight, if you will. I promised you I would do this, but I expect holiness. And so he kind of just says, hey, we, we've got to figure this out. And the children of Israel are going through this cycle. And I want us to see a pattern today of five different things that we see through this passage. Number one, if you're right, we see a repeated action. A repeated action. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first point because we've kind of gone over it before. But just a repeated action. It happened before. But the Bible says in verse number seven, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And how did they do evil? Well, there's two ways. First of all, by sliding, by sliding. The Bible says in verse number seven, they forget the Lord their God. They failed to remember. And I've taught this a little bit in the past, but they knew all about God. They knew he was powerful. They knew he owned the cattle on a thousand hills. They knew he was capable of splitting the Red Sea. They knew he was able to help them conquer Jericho. They knew all this thing about God, how he was able to feed them in the wilderness, how he was able to provide water. They knew all this about God, but knowing it wasn't enough, they didn't allow it to impact their life on a daily basis. They slighted him. They forgot him. And failing to remember no longer controlled what they knew. And may I say this morning that just because you know all about God, it's not going to impact your life unless you let God flow through your life. And a daily personal walk 
with him. But we see a sliding, but I also want to see a serving by serving. The Bible says later in verse number seven, and served Balaam and the groves. Now we learned last week that Balaam was a Canaanite god that they created, and it was uh, oftentimes they would worship. But we, we see here the introduction of groves. What does groves mean? And why would they worship groves of trees? Well, when they would go to their altar to worship God, if you will, they would also grow some trees there. And sometimes they would find a tree that was in the shape of something and that was their God. Or they would just name the tree something. And then they ended up, instead of worshiping God, they would end up worshiping the trees. And the trees there were a picture, if you will, that they, they, they served this idol, uh, were often associated, and they made it into a sacred tree. Often this was found among Assyrian and Israelite monuments. But if they would have followed God's law, they would have seen in Deuteronomy 16, 21, that God plainly told them, Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. And the whole purpose, the tree wasn't wrong. It was what that tree became in their life. And oftentimes what we're doing isn't necessarily wrong, but when it takes the place of God in our life, it becomes an idol, if you will. And so we see a sliding, if you will, we see a serving. How does this apply to our lives today? I don't think any of us would say they forgot God. You're here today in church. I don't think many of us are worshiping trees during the week. Maybe you are. I don't think most of us are. I think we're worshiping God. So how does this apply to us today? Well, oftentimes what's real to our heads is not real to our hearts. We may acknowledge intellectually that something is true, but in our heart of hearts, it does not grab or penetrate or control us. I can say to my children, tell your brother you're sorry. Sorry. Wow. You mean that with all your heart, don't you? You know they don't. The goal as a parent is not to get them to say the word sorry. The goal is for them to truly be Sorrowful, and we understand that. But oftentimes we can know all about God intellectually, but until it penetrates our heart, it really does us no good. And oftentimes, like a bucket of water on a cold day, it'll freeze over. And our hearts and our minds can freeze over to the things of God. And we have to constantly, as I have had cattle for years, and whenever it gets cold and that water starts to freeze, they'll let you know if they're thirsty. What do you got to do? You got to take that pitchfork, turn it over and grab that steak or whatever you do and start chipping away. Why? Because you got to break up that ice. Several weeks ago, we had a pumpkin Sunday, And our photographer who did the picture, Shelly Sullivan, and my wife, Alicia, said, we have this great idea for a backdrop. I said, that sounds great. How does this affect me? Oh, you got to pound some stakes in the ground. I said, oh, that shouldn't be a problem. Until I realized there's rock out there, you know. It's pounding and pounding and pounding. After 25 pounds, it had gone in like two inches. Well, hopefully this doesn't fall over, because I'm done. (laughs) But if we're not careful, can't that happen to us? Our hearts can become hard when we not just know God, but if we fail to remember his goodness to us. And oftentimes it doesn't take long. I can watch God do a miracle in my life, and the next week be faced with something and say, 
God, are you going to do something about this? You know, wait a minute here. What did I do for you last week? And there's something about remembering that causes our heart not to get hard. That causes our mind not to get uh, 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 hard, if you will. So what does Hosea say to us about this? The Bible says, sow to yourselves and righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground. Well, how do I do this on a practical thing? Well, David knew because he knew that he, 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 he not just knew God's precepts, he tasted, he seed, he felt it. The Bible says in Psalms 34 verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When is the last time you didn't just think God was good, but you tasted and you saw that God was good to you? Now, I understand that God doesn't always do mountain-moving miracles every day to you. But isn't it good, if you really try and think about it, that God really is good to us? God does do good things for us. The Bible says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Therefore, other things, idols, can become more real to our hearts. And we can serve them instead. So the question is begged to ask, What in the world can we do to deal with this hard-heartedness? What can we do to break up the frozenness, if we will? Well, the Bible says in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, a formula, if you will. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these sayings. You know what Paul says? You need the consistent preaching of God's word, the reading of God's word, the Bible study of God's word. You need to constantly be in the word so it can remind you of what you need to do to grow as a Christian. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we can get stuck where we're at. And God says, let me remind you where you came from. Let me remind you where you're going. And let me get you going again. So how do we do this on a practical basis? Well, we can remember by the Lord's Supper. Do we not? Luke 22, verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Why do we practice the Lord's Supper here at our church? Why, why do we take the time to do it every other month? Because it causes us to remember the broken, uh, beaten, uh, mutilated body of our Lord and Savior. And he was willing to be nailed to a cross. He was able to shed his blood. He was able to pay for our sin on the cross. And we need to be reminded about how good God has been to us. We see through our remembrance but also by meditating on Scripture. The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You know what the Bible's teaching us? We ought to be thinking constantly about God's goodness and His Word and what we can learn and grow thereby. So we see a meditating on Scripture, but we also see others can challenge us to remember through Bible study groups and church. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. It's something about being around God's people and hearing what God's doing in their life. We were doing this this week at our staff meeting and we were all going around sharing a praise that God did this week. And it was exciting to me to see, even though we had a great day last Sunday, there were so many great things that still happened that I didn't even know about. There's something about being around God's people that challenges us, does it not? 
By the way, if it doesn't cause you to remember good things, then maybe you need to read around other people that are God's people. If it's always gossip, if it's always negativity, if it's always dragging you down, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Unless you can make it positive, maybe get around some people that help sharpen you and strengthen you. And so we see this morning uh, 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 a repeated action. But number two this morning, as we hasten on, I want us to see a revived attitude, a revived attitude. We see in verse number eight, there was two things that caused God to revive their attitude and said, hey, your attitude stinks. So we're going to do an attitude adjustment. Don't you love it? Didn't you love it when your mom and dad said that to you growing up? You need an attitude adjustment. How does that happen? Well, in this case, God sold them. The Bible says, therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot, in verse 8, and he sold them. Just as the people had already sold themselves into the hands of Baal, God sells them into the very people who they had chose to yoke together and fellowship with. He sold them into slavery. You say, well, that's not a very kind God. Well, contrary to what we think, God is actually acting kindly by causing them to remember. And by the way, chastening has a way to help us remember who is still on the throne, does it not? What does chastening bring in our life? Usually for me, it gives me frustration. And then when I finally get smart enough to realize that it's God working on me, God, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? God, I'm here. What do I need to do? And so we see a selling, not to pay them back for how he had wronged them. No, 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 no. But to offer redemption to this enslaved group of people who had chosen idols and sin above him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 32, But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Why? That we should not be condemned with the world. See, God loves you too much to have you be stuck in the world. He wants you to have a victorious Christian life. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. He wants you to enjoy the wonderful Christian life. So we see through a selling, but also I want us to see through serving. He revives their attitude by selling them, but also causing them to serve. The Bible says in verse 8, they serve Shushan Rishathim eight years. And what is so interesting about this king? Well, if you study this king out, he was actually a king in Mesopotamia and Syria. He was between the two great rivers, Tyrus and Euphrates. And Kushan, his name means double wickedness. This king was not just wicked, he was very wicked. And if you look at what Benson says about this in his commentary, he says, this was a great distance away. And didn't make sense for Kushan to conquer Israel. It wasn't furthering his kingdom. It wasn't uh, uh, taking that next step of will of power. It makes no sense that he would conquer Israel. But this shows us so much the more that the hand of God was in this. And isn't it interesting this morning that God's own people wouldn't follow him. But one of the most wicked kings in the area followed what God told him to do. And led in his heart. May we not be guilty as Christians to do what we accuse the wicked of doing. Well, they won't follow God's leading. Well, are you? And we see this morning, they were sold. They were served. God's broken hearted because his people 
we'll no longer have relationship with him in communication. So as God desires a relationship with us, we must encourage us today that when God chastises us, he's trying to remove hindrances to our fellowship with him. The Bible says unconfessed sin hinders our communication. In Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Unforgiveness hinders our communication with God. The Bible says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. You know, when we disregard God's word, it hinders our communication. In Proverbs 28, verse 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. And those three points were borrowed from our continued discipleship program. But I want to encourage us today to realize that God wants communication with you or me. And when that's broken, he values it so much, he's willing to chastise us to bring us back to him. We see a revived attitude is simply God saying, hey, your attitude stinks, and I'm willing to sell you, and I'm willing to have you serve this king for eight years to get you to understand that you need a savior. So what happens? Well, we see a rescued allegiance, if you will, a rescued allegiance, number three. We see through remembering, how did God get their allegiance back? He caused them to remember. We've talked about this already, but after struggling under physical oppression, they finally cried unto the Lord in verse number nine. Tim Keller says this, the only thing that people contribute to their rescue is to cry out to God. And may I say today, God is only interested in you crying out to him and realizing I need your help, God. And God says, okay, I will prepare a savior. I will prepare a deliverer. I'm thankful today that in our sin, lost in our sin, if we simply cry out to God, He has prepared a Savior, Jesus Christ, years ago, who was willing to die on the cross to pay for your sin and mine. So we see through a remembering, this reflects that they reverse their previous allegiance by turning away from idols, and they turn back to the Lord as their God. I see this rescued allegiance happen through remembering, but it also happened through repentance. By the way, repentance is crucial to make a change in our lives. They didn't wait for the trouble to go away. No, they decided they wanted help now. Like the prodigal son who realized that he was eating the pig slop of pigs. He had nothing else to stand on. And he said, huh, why don't I just go home and be a servant? They are treated better than I am. And may I encourage us to have a repentant heart and realize that I need a savior. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 8, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceived that the same epistle had made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorrow after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance, to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. I think of several years ago, I was uh, in high school and I had made a mistake and I went to my teacher and I said, man, I'm so sorry. He said, Justin, he says, I'm not interested in you saying the word sorry. I said, fine, I won't tell you sorry anymore. He says, no, I'm far more interested and your actions showing that you're sorry. 
and you changing the way you do things. And that never left me. And I realized, sorry is easy to say, but acting and living it out has really got to be a change in my life. Oftentimes people are good at saying sorry, but what does God, God wants a repentant heart, willing to realize it's not what I can do, I need help, I need a savior. Years ago, during the Welsh revival in the early 1900s, really it was spreading through uh, the Welsh area, and uh, over 25% of them had, the people had given their life to Christ. It was an amazing thing. There was a lot of coal miners in the area, and oftentimes they would have their tool shed with all the company tools. But it seemed like they were all the time having to replace tools because it got broken, it got misplaced, they couldn't remember where they put it. And so it really became part of the budget where they had to replace tools constantly. But the story goes that some of these miners, the managers, got saved and they started Bible studies and they started preaching the gospel. And what happened was an amazing feat. One shed was no longer sufficient enough for all the company's tools. They had to build up to five sheds to house all the tools when people started getting saved because they realized, I stole this and I didn't make it right. And all the tools came back. What had happened there in the Welsh Revival? It was more than just someone saying, Hey, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. It was a true repentant heart when they said, You know what? We were wrong and we want to make it right. And God, we're thankful you're our Lord and Savior. But we want to show that. We're not only, we want to show we're sorry. We want to prove it. And so we see this morning through remembering. God calls them to remember his goodness, but also through their repentance. That brings up number four. We see that God says, okay, you're sorry. You're truly sorry. I'm going to raise up a savior, a deliverer. We see a restored administrator. A restored administrator, number four. We see a repeated action, a revived attitude, a rescued allegiance. But I want us to see the restored administrator. Look at verse number nine. The Bible says there, who delivered them even Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. Having sent trouble to the children of Israel to get him back on track, God also sends a leader and a savior. And I'm thankful for a God who doesn't just point out our wrongdoing, but he's willing to make the difference. He's willing to provide the sacrifice. He's willing to do what no one else would do. And he's willing to go to Calvary for you and me. And we see this morning that Jesus is God's willing to send a savior. Here we see here this morning... A spiritual leader that was filled with character. Filled with character. The Bible says in verse number 13 of chapter 1, And Othniel, the son of Canaan, Caleb's younger brother, took it and he gave him Achash, his daughter, to wife. In verse number 9, the Bible says the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Now, there's been much squabble over if this was real, in commentaries, if this was really Caleb's younger brother or nephew. That really doesn't matter. I think the biggest thing is to matter is Caleb was much older than him. I think that the reason why Othniel was such a great leader next to Joshua, probably the best judge that was there uh, to, to lead the children of Israel, was because of Caleb's influence on him. Now I want to just stop here really quickly and just say this. Our future leaders are only going to be as strong as those who are willing to invest in them. And I'm thankful this morning for a great church But I hope in 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years we don't have a weak church. 
I hope we have just a strong church because we have Caleb's in our church who are willing to invest in the next generation. You say, how should we invest in them? I think in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 7, we see three ways to have a passion through our love and walk with God. May those following us see a passion through our love and walk with God. May they see a persistence of consistently teaching and posting the truth. And may they see a patience through us of nurture and admonition. I believe this morning, if we'll take the time and the effort to declare the gospel, but also to connect people to our church and then to see them discipled and then trained to become leaders, I believe we can see God do amazing things through Grandview Baptist Church, through our next generation of leaders. So we see a man who was filled with character, but I also see a savior, if you will, an administrator who was filled with Christ. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. God empowers Othniel for his status and work. What was his work? To judge, and he went to war. We see here that God sends trouble, and then God sends a leader. But do you know the most exciting thing about that? God sends the Spirit of the Lord through that leader. And great victory comes. The Bible says in verse number 10, The Lord delivered Shushan Rishatham into his hand. This wicked king who was consumed by more power and more wealth and more control. He was soundly defeated by Othniel. Othniel, who God had used to, to conquer a land earlier. He was a, a folklore hero, if you will. He was just, just a man that was full of character. But when the Spirit of the Lord filled him, the children of Israel were able to do what they never could do without it. And there's something about the Holy Spirit filling us so we can do something more than we could ever humanly think possible. May I encourage us this morning to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to control us. May we submit to him and allow him to work through us. And then last but not least, I want us to see number five, a renewed aspect. A renewed aspect. So what does this mean for you and I today? Well, we see two deliverances here. And I want us to see the aspect, the word aspect means to be something to be considered. There's something to be considered about the end of this passage. In our text, the Bible says there in verse number 10, and the land had rest 40 years. I want us to see this morning a partial deliverance. Now, 40 years is a long time, at least to me, because in four and a half years, I'll be 40. I know there's some of you, and you're still a child. I get that, okay. But 40 years is a long time. That's really a half of a good life. But it's a partial deliverance in the grand scheme of things. Because if you look at verse number 12, we see after uh, 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 he died, we we see they went back into uh, 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 their old pattern. But we see here the land had rest. Tim Keller says this, This is peace from physical oppression, but also from self-inflicted spiritual oppression of idolatry. In other words, they were physically oppressed because they self-inflicted the spiritual oppression. They chose not to follow the Lord. Restoration and revival only come to God's people when God works through his chosen deliverer. And the peace they enjoy here is a peace only God can give. Because you know you're not being enslaved by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And you're enjoying a life full of wonderful victories through Jesus Christ. But I want us to see not only a partial deliverance, but I want us to see this morning 
that there is a permanent deliverance. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says there, And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. This points that every human leader of God's church, however spirit-filled, when they're empowered, they can do great things for, to God, for God. But one day, that life comes to an end. And I want to encourage you this morning with this. Our human life is frail and there's only brings partial deliverance in our lives. But I'm here today to tell you that there is permanent deliverance for you and me. Well, how is that possible? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He also says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Revelations 1, 18, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. You see, the 40 years of peace that Othniel brought was just that, 40 years. But I'm thankful today that if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have permanent de- deliverance forever and ever and ever for eternity. I'm thankful this morning that the Bible says that we are all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says for those wages of those sins was death. The Bible says that we had no hope without Christ. And we can try the world's philosophies. We can try the good self-help books. We can try all these things. And they will get us maybe a little bit farther down the road. But until you realize that I am lost without Christ and have no hope, you will not have permanent deliverance. There must come a time in your life when you realize, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but of everlasting life. But God commended his love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. When will you realize this morning that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and Omega? He is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's all pow- everywhere at once. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's immutable. We see he's everlasting. We see he's sovereign. He's Ruler of all, he never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to hear today to tell us that we don't have to trust in a partial deliver and trust in the man, trust in politics, trust in this or that. We can trust in a permanent deliverer, and that is a Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you, this morning, are sick and tired of tracing the things that are bringing you nothing in return, you give, give, give. If you're tired... I'm trying your hardest to do your best, but falling short. That's what the word sin means, to miss the mark. No matter how hard you try, you just, you can't get there. May I encourage you today to come to the only one who can save you, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And as great as Othniel was, as great as Pastor Mutzler was, And whoever has been dear to your heart, as great as they are, they're not enough to save you permanently. You need the Lord Jesus Christ to do that for you. So my question to you today this morning is simply this. Are you chasing a partial deliverance? Or do you want the permanent deliverance that only Jesus Christ can offer? Now you may be sitting there today and saying, Oh, that's got to be too difficult. That's got to be too hard. In fact, Nicodemus came to Jesus one night. He said, what must a man do to be saved? 
I mean, I'm a religious man. I'm a ruler of the Jews. I've, I've gone to church. I've learned everything there is to learn about God. What must a man do to be saved? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Not of water, but of the Spirit. There must come a time in your life when you realize that I have no hope without God. And I need Jesus Christ in my life. And I'm going to accept him to come in. If that's you this morning, may I encourage you to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Second of all, how are you making sure in your remembrance of your heart that what you know in your head becomes something more through your life? Third of all, do you consciously enjoy the peace of having been saved from God and freed from slaving idols in your life? And how does that play out on a, on a week-to-week basis? Do you live your life in freedom? Or do you live your life in slavery to some sin? Some addiction? You say, well, you make it sound so simple. I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying that I can choose to live in freedom and not keep going into that repeating action. Why? Because I don't want to go through the revived attitude process. I don't want to go remembrance of allegiance. I want to stay. Close with my Lord and Savior. And then how does the truth of an eternal Savior as your leader and Lord make you feel about being a Christian today? Are you excited about being a Christian? Or in the workplace you... What do you think about the things of God? Well, you know what? I think uh, let's talk about the weather today, you know. Or are you willing to say, you know what? God is sure good to me. I love him. He, he was willing to save my soul. I think that should give us a new boldness of declaring our faith. And then last of all, I know I'm speaking to some Caleb's this morning. Or some Calebesses, Or some ladies who God's used in a great way. And what I'm asking you today, will you join me and our staff with being willing to influence the Othniels and the young ladies that are coming up in our ministry. God didn't save us to sit. He saved us to serve. And I know that's cliche. I I say that to say this. God has someone here or in your neighborhood who you need to be impacting and influencing for the cause of Christ. Will you allow God to do that? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. How many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you. I'm done. I'm sick and tired. I'm done with with chasing after the world, the philosophies, the self-help books, uh, all these things that are are promising me much but not giving me anything. And I realized this morning that I need a permanent deliverer and I need Jesus Christ in my life. If he would have me, I would love to begin a relationship with him. I'm tired of doing all these things. I just want freedom in Jesus Christ. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? If that's you this morning, will you slip up your hand this morning? Is there anybody like that? Anybody? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Maybe in the balcony. Maybe down the lower level. I see that hand. Let me encourage you to say something like this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell but I don't want to go there. 
I believe and trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my way of thinking and put my faith and trust in you. Please come to my heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. I won't embarrass you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just simply raise your hand up? I want to rejoice with you this morning. Anybody like that today? I see that hand in the back. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Praise the Lord. How many say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. My heart has become a little hard, a little frozen, a little bit. And I've learned today that the best way to keep that broken up and soft towards God is to remember his goodness to me. And I know all about it, but I don't remember him on a daily basis. Pastor Justin, God pressed on my heart to do this. Will you pray for me if that's you? Will you slip up your hand this morning? God bless you. I see those hands all over. How many would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I, I feel like I'm where I need to be, but I've been struggling with some things in other areas that I haven't experienced that peace. I have that battle in my soul. I keep going back to this repeated actions, and I'm sick and tired of it, and I just want that peace from God that I can have victory in my Christian life. Will you pray for me that I'll be able to get that victory? Is that you? Will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. God bless you all over. I see those hands. How does the truth of an eternal Savior as your leader, a permanent home in heaven one day, make you feel about being a Christian today? Does that change your aspect? Does that change your life? If that does, can I encourage you to be a Caleb, if you will, to an Othniel? How many would say, Pastor Justin, I want to be a spiritual leader to someone in our church today or someone in my life. And God challenged me with that. Will you pray for me that I'll be the spiritual leader I need to be? Will you slip up your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for those who gave their life to you today. May they know that when they prayed that prayer, if they meant that, they have a home in heaven one day. Or be with those who are convicted a little bit with their hardness of heart. Lord, we don't want to brag about that, but it can happen to the best of us. May we do something about cultivating that and breaking up the ice, keeping it soft for you to use. Be with those today who are maybe struggling a little bit with that addictive cycle and, and that, uh, the sin that so easily beset us, Paul says, and may we enjoy the peace, the liberation of a victorious Christian life and not continue repeated actions like the children of Israel. Be with those dear people I pray you'll be with those who remember you, that they'll be willing to invest in the next generation, if you will. Maybe they're, they're their age, but they're going to invest in somebody who's not as far along as they are and help disciple them, help connect them to the church, help train future leaders so that we can make a, a bigger impact on this area and our world for Christ, Lord. We sure do love you, Lord. Be with this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. Maybe you guys touched your heart this morning. Let me encourage you to come forward. Maybe you're coming forward for baptism this morning. Or maybe you're coming forward this morning to join the church. Or maybe you're coming this morning, you're just like one of our pastors to pray for you. Let me encourage you to do that today.
and you may be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. Uh, Pastor Justin is making his way up to the baptistry. We're going to have a couple of baptisms here in just a moment. Um, and we have a couple of people planning to join our church in membership, and so we're sure excited about that. Our first one this morning is... Uh, uh, Miss Elizabeth Rogers. And Elizabeth, raise your hand at me. Okay. Uh, and she has been saved and scripturally baptized. Of course, uh, many of you know her parents, the Rogers, and so uh, they're teaching here in our school, and so their daughter has joined them here, living here in Oregon, and so we're excited for her to join the church. All in favor of uh, letting Elizabeth join us in membership, say aye. Aye. And it's official. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us. Um, Pastor Justin is going to announce the others who are joining us uh, once they've been baptized. Of course, we're looking for Brandon and Kelly Schmidt, um, and they've been coming to our church now for quite some time, and so we're excited for them. And then Torin Lowe will be getting baptized as well, and Pastor Justin will handle those spe- specificities when he has them baptized. Uh, right now, we're going to watch our next video, and then uh, we'll have a baptism. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's sermon with Pastor Justin Lehman was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a special sermon from our youth pastor, T.J. Gardner. Don't miss our Missions Emphasis Day next Sunday, October 23rd with Dave Maskey, missionary to Nigeria, who will be speaking for us. We'll be sharing updates from some of our missionaries on the field and everyone will have the opportunity to decide how they can be involved in worldwide missions. Join us as we celebrate the work of Christ being done around the world. There is an overtime teen activity next Sunday night. We will meet for s'mores and games following the 5 p.m. service. The activity will end around 7.30 p.m. We're getting ready for a musical Christmas production and could use your help. If you're interested in joining the orchestra, adult choir, teen choir, or children's Christmas choir, please see Kristen Bestel. Choir and orchestra practices have already started in our every Sunday at 3.45 p.m. For teen choir and children's choir for Christmas, there's a sign-up sheet at the welcome desk and a flyer to pick up for information. For any and all questions, please see Kristen Vestal. We are so excited uh, for our Trunk or Treat Sunday coming up October 30th at 5 p.m. Many of you have helped us with this event in the past, and we're so thankful for it. We are so excited for another year of Trunk or Treat. Uh, there's a few things that you could do to help us out. Number one, we would love for you to sign up. Decorate a trunk, uh, have a theme, uh, things like that. Have a small game. It's going to be a great time. A few other ways that you could help us out is uh, we will have a bin on the information desk for candy. Uh, if you'd like to come and bring some candy, some prepackaged candy, we'd love for you to be able to do that. Uh, maybe that's not something you'd be able to do. What we're going to do this year as well is we have a designated section in our giving where if you go online to give or if you want to put it in your envelope right there and just put trunk or treat, uh, we'll be able to go out and purchase the candy needed uh, for this special event. We are so excited for all that God has in store for a trunk or treat this year. And we hope that you're planning on getting involved with this wonderful event. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5.
They'll be ready in just a moment. If I could echo the connection card, if you are, if this is your first time here, we have a gift for you. Uh, and if so, you'll make your way out through the doors. You'll find us here out in the main lobby, um, and we have a gift for you. We sure hope you'll plan to join us there so that we can get to know you and get some information from you. All right, Pastor Justin. Okay, thank you, Cameron. Uh, this time we're going to have Brandon and uh, Kelly uh, come down here and. Uh, Brandon accepted Christ a couple of months ago, and uh, once followed in baptism, they joined the church, but didn't quite, they put the cart before the horse, they didn't understand, and they, they came together on all of it. So we're going we're gonna to re-vote them in today after baptism, and I told them that happened sometimes, and, uh, but at the end of the day, we're just glad that they, they get it all taken care of, because at the end of the day, we're glad they're going to heaven, isn't that great? And so they'll be followed in baptism today. So Brandon, we'll do you first, and uh, so go ahead and... Brandon, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, for like so's death. Raise like so's resurrection. Oh, you in the picture? Yeah, okay, there we go. You were obeying, so. This is his wife, Kelly. Kelly, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, for like so's death. Raise like so's resurrection. All in favor of the Smith family rejoining our church, say aye. aye. All right, it carries. So welcome back to, to the family. So, all right, Torin. This is Torin. Torin accepted Christ as a Savior on Pumpkin Sunday. And I have to share this. His friend is right over here. Can you raise your hand there? They told me this morning that they would go back and forth on sharing the gospel to each other. And he would not be ready yet, not be ready yet for years. And uh, on Pumpkin Sunday, he prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come to his heart. And they're here today. And I thought, sometimes you just seem, oh, they got saved. Praise the Lord. But sometimes it's years and years of people praying for them and working on them. So I'm so proud of Torin. And, uh, of course, Amanda as well. We're glad to see you there. And their children are watching. So we'll get Torin baptized. Torin, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Blanks of his death. Raise my for resurrection. Okay, and the Lord said, as done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And so we're rejoicing today. Uh, Brother Cameron. All right, we'll pray and be dismissed. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for a wonderful Sunday where we get to celebrate you and uh, come and worship together, uh, fellowship with other Christians. God, we pray that you'd work in our hearts. Thank you for all you've done for us. We pray that you'd help us to keep a good perspective this week and to be influencing others around us. And we'll give you the honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.